Hey friends, Brad and I started Batship because we needed someone to talk to about our bipolar. So when looking for a sponsor, BetterHelp was the obvious choice. BetterHelp provides access to therapists via text, via Zoom, via email, via phone call, 24 hours, seven days a week. I don't need to tell anyone how broken the American healthcare system is, especially when it comes to mental illness. But the beautiful thing about BetterHelp is that they'll work with you. Go to www.betterhelp.com backslash batshit. You'll get 10% off for the first month and you'll get someone to talk to right now. If you need to talk to someone, do it. Please. We love you. Welcome to Batshit, a frank and funny look at living with mental illness. While we'll touch on several illnesses, Batshit is focused on those along the spectrum of bipolar disorders. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm your other host, Brad. And we're both bipolar. So strap in and let's see how bad shit we really are. Spoiler alert, pretty damn bad shit. This episode's topic, perinatal and postpartum depression. Which we are uh, aficionados on. We like, are. We're very informed on this, but we did decide it might be good to bring in another point of view. I, I still disagree, but <laughs> uh, no, I, I'd like to welcome to the podcast uh, one of my oldest and dearest friends, Maggie Gwynn. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks Thanks for joining us Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Um, You know, when we started the podcast, we said initially, like, we want to talk about other elements of this mental illness spectrum. You know what I mean? And when Brad told me uh, that you were willing to come on and talk about your experience, I mean, I can't say thank you enough. Absolutely. I mean, I think the thing with postpartum depression and, and perinatal depression, any any sort of depression <laughs> and anxiety related towards pregnancy and childbirth, there's such a stigma around experiencing any of that, that, you no, know, you have a baby and you're supposed to be filled with joy and bliss and it's the most <laughs> magical time of your life. And if you feel anything other than that, there's a lot of shame. And our society, I think, is finally realizing we need to talk about these things and realize that more often than not, the women that are around you that have just had babies are probably struggling. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, now can, can I ask you, when did you start experiencing symptoms? Like- well, okay, so before... I want to say this, too, before I go on. I am not a doctor. I am not a trained psychologist. <laughs> no one here thinks, no one yeah, who listens yeah. to this. No, no. Yeah. Gonna... If, if you're listening to this podcast by now and thinking that we in any way, shape, or form know what we're talking about, you're pretty dumb. And you need <laughs> help. You should seek help. You should seek help. You should seek help. Maybe, maybe it's delusional. That's what it is. That's what it is. I've it's got delusional. a phone number for you. <laughs> But no, so everything that I am about to say is purely topical of and course. from friends and anybody, people that I have talked about this stuff with. Um, so when I, I have two children, I have a boy and a girl and my boy is six, my girl is four. So I was pregnant with the boy, had a decently difficult pregnancy, first trimester, not fun. What they don't tell you when you're pregnant is like... It's, it's like somebody tells you, hey, Brad, like, you're about to be in a car wreck in nine months. Do you want to finish your chip? It's, it's okay. <laughs> Consummate, <laughs> sorry. Consummate professionalism. Brad, Brad Hudson, everybody. I constantly. You, you can, if you listen closely on every episode, you can hear me eating. <laughs> he's, he's the Brad Pitt of podcasting. Yeah. Brad, somebody yeah. who has misophonia has just turned this off. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so I, I forgot what was I even saying. Uh, you were saying it's like if someone told me I was going to be. In oh, a car okay. Wreck. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, hey. Guess what? In nine months, you're about to be in a car wreck. Are you okay? psychic? Yes, you're going to be in a car wreck. Now you're going to have. You're going to have injuries. Like no matter what, you're going to have injuries. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be traumatic to some degree, like this car wreck. Even though it's not that bad, you're going to have traumatic injuries that are at least going to take three weeks to heal. But guess what? You might be having a normal car wreck, just your average run-of-the-mill car wreck, and then somebody just like T-bones you, and it's become a major car wreck, and you're going to need major surgery, and it's going to take over six weeks to heal from, and you might not be able to jump up and down or laugh without peeing yourself after this car wreck. Yeah. The women will understand. <laughs> I just said. You guys are like, what? No, I, nope, I'm following. Yeah, I get it. So like, imagine you go through this traumatic thing and people don't give childbirth the trauma that it is due. Yeah. yeah Even that's... a good childbirth is traumatic. Oh, sure. I was I was in the room for the birth of all my children, all 12. Yeah, right. He's only got two left. Yeah, yeah. God knows where the other ones went. <laughs> Survival so, of the fittest. Yeah, yeah. If you find them out there, they have my address tattooed on their foreheads. <laughs> Just please, you can take them to the post office. Postage is prepaid. Prepaid. <laughs> Scan the barcode on the back of their neck. Um. No, so I was I was in the room when my kids were born, and uh, it is it's it's a horribly traumatic experience. I when Wyatt was born, my oldest son, Shannon, we uh, we had done uh, hypnobirthing classes. Ooh, I did that as well. Wait, what is hypnobirthing? So uh, the idea is that you you can avoid any kind of drugs or anything, and you you basically go into Put yourself into hypnotic states. Oh, okay. To have a pain-free birth. Pain-free, mm-hmm. really? I'm. Yeah, but how did that work out? Yeah. So for Shannon, that worked for about twenty hours. Okay, that's in impressive. 20, in a twenty-eight hour labor. Ooh. And those last eight hours, she was still gunning for it, and I was the one following around. It's like, babe, just please take the drugs. <laughs> Take the drugs. God bless her. I can't. I can't watch this. I can't watch this anymore. Did, did it work for you? Um, not for the first one. Okay. I mean, I, I used some of the things that I learned in it. You really learned this wonderful breathing technique that I use even to this day for different things. But um, no, I did not have <laughs> a typical hypnobirth because you can't control your birth. Your baby controls your birth. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless your doctor says you are going to have a C-section, your kid's breached, then you can control it. But like, Which, God, talk about trauma there. Oh, talk oh, about man. trauma. I mean, I mean, but uh, I don't think people understand what a C-section is. You were cut in half. Yeah. You're, you're basically the the woman in the box at a magician show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're totally conscious. And then afterwards, they're like, here's a baby. And your stomach is splayed open <laughs> oh still. Um, uh, yeah. And so it didn't work with him. Mm-hmm. I, I had to, I ended up getting an epidural and I was one push away from getting a C-section. They were rolling the carts in and... I, luckily, I got him out without the C-section, which I'm very grateful for. But it was traumatic. And people don't realize that just a normal run-of-the-mill birth even is still traumatic. And I I even feel shame saying that, that, like, the birth of my children was traumatic. Because, well, because people we talk put about trauma it. as bad. Right. 
but it's it's not necessarily bad, you know? It's yeah. just like it's a very intense thing physiologically and psychologically that you go through for, you know, however long, three hours to twenty eight hours, like Shannon. Yeah. Um Well, and people talk about the the miracle of birth mm-hmm. and it's this wonderful golden miracle thing, and like you see it in the movies, and it's like funny. Women are cussing their husbands and then the baby comes and everybody's like, Oh Yeah. And that's not what it is. At no. All. It's a nurse screaming at you, grab her leg, grab her leg. And you're throwing it up on your shoulder. And you're like, am I going to break her hip? And she's like, I don't care. Pull it back. And then this thing comes. It's like, it looks like an alien mm-hmm. with its little purple dome coming out of the vagina. And I'm traumatized, honestly. <laughs> having watched it. I mean, but it, you know, it is, it is natural. And so that's the thing with the hypnobird thing. I I loved the I loved the class, but there were things about it that I did feel shame. You felt like bad if you were gonna choose to end up getting your epidural, if you were yeah. gonna try to go for uh, a medic, and we call it a medication free birth. Please don't call it a natural birth for the love of everything, because <laughs> then you are saying that if you had a C section or if you had drugs, that it is unnatural right. Right. and yeah. it that is you somehow failed every birth is a natural birth, okay? Just say unmedicated. You know what's interesting on that note? The United States of America has the highest maternal mortality rate of all developed nations in the world. Yep. More mothers die giving child giving birth here in the United States than in any other developed country by a wide margin. I don't know why that is. Those of you out there who are interested can look into it more, but I find that very interesting. So when you talk about trauma also, yeah, you know, not to mention the other things, like you said, peeing yourself, like, you know, you can do all this horrible stuff to your bladder. So you're already going into this. Any, any woman who's educated themselves being like, oh, there's a thousand horrible things that can happen. Yeah. Which one's going to happen to me? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're, you, you, oh, let's go back to the car wreck analogy. Right, right, right. All right. So you get to live for nine months feeling like you ran a marathon every day of exhaustion and maybe wanting to throw up all the time and go heartburn heartburn and insomnia and all of the things and then add on top of that the anxiety of what you just discussed of like well I wonder when that wreck's gonna happen I wonder how it's gonna happen I wonder if I'm gonna be on the highway or am I gonna be uh you know in the parking lot of Target like you don't know there's so many unknowns and if you pair that with a specific type of person, too, that might be prone to anxiety, sure. it is just a tailspin. And, you know, for me, I believe a lot of my stuff started when I was pregnant because trying to have control over that situation. You have no control over it. And so you're just trying to control what you can, every vi- variable. Mm-hmm. So then when my son was finally born, For me, this is my own belief about postpartum depression and anxiety. It's like, yes, there is a hormonal thing, but I think it begins much earlier than before you have the child. Like, I I believe that things are ruminating and then you have the baby. And if, if your hormones and your chemicals and your brain are set up, you're gonna go there. You can go there. I have friends that had crazy anxiety before they got pregnant then they were pregnant, they were crazy anxious then, and then their postpartum anxiety was debilitating. And people don't talk about postpartum anxiety either. It is these intrusive thoughts that you know, your baby's going to die. It's, it's you're, you're, you're holding your baby up on a balcony and, you know, you're on the second floor of a building and then you have this vision of the baby, like, falling off the balcony for no reason. And you, you don't know how to control it. 
And like, and luckily, it's hard to, exp- to get people who don't have children to understand no. that also because the the bond you have with a child, and I'm even talking as a father, like if you push this thing out your vagina, it's going to be even more so. By this thing, I mean a baby. You may push other <laughs> things out, but we're talking about babies. Um, but uh, this this connection and this love and this something clicks in your brain mm-hmm. that you have to protect this thing mm-hmm. with every fiber of your being. And now you start having these thoughts, this baby's going to die. Yeah. You know? It's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. Luckily, I didn't deal with the anxiety as much. I have friends that have, though. So that's where I've learned about that uh, particular issue. But more of on the depression route, after you have this baby, after you've gone through this car wreck, you have the car wreck, but you have this beautiful baby. So you're happy. But then you've also got these injuries that you're trying to heal from. And then you're sleep deprived. I mean, anybody that's gone through extreme sleep deprivation, and I mean, you guys have talked about that, about having insomnia. Sure. It's just like, imagine that just not stopping and you don't get a break and it never, ever, ever, ever ends. It is, it can make you feel crazy. Like I would have mornings, especially where you just feel this just buzzing in your head that just never, never stops. And it's really hard. It's really hard for you, for your partner, for the people around you to know, how, how do you manage this? Like, what, what, what do I do? What do we do? And um, so I honestly was never diagnosed with postpartum depression. And that's why I wanted to come and talk about it with you guys today was because I realized that I had it once I had uh, started, we, once I started covid so <laughs> once I began COVID, you know, I've been thinking about starting. <laughs> I was wondering who started it. It was yeah. you. It was you who started it. I started it. Was, you know, remember that March? Damn it, bad. Maggie! I thought it was a bad. Right. <laughs> once I started COVID, sorry about all that COVID, guys. <laughs> it was on us. My anxiety and depression was so debilitating that I finally sought help. And I finally went to a psychiatrist and they put me on Lexapro. They said, oh, you've just got situational anxiety because of COVID. And I got on the medication and I was like, nope, mama's been feeling this way since that baby came out. And that's when I really, I, I didn't realize how bad I felt until I felt better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You don't know how unhappy you are. Yeah. Until you feel happy again. Yeah. We, we talked about how, you know, uh, using the Lamictal that we use, the the bottoms get less deep and the highs get less high, mm-hmm. right? So when you are in a state of depression, you don't get as deep as you used to go. You still get depressed, but you don't, you know, hit the very bottom of the well, so to speak. No. And so when I got on the medica- medication for bipolar, like, that's just it. You're like, oh, I don't have to feel this bad. I don't have to feel this bad. And and that's life-changing, right? Because you're like, well, how long have I been living with this way down here when I haven't had to? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So so l- l- let me ask you, because you, your partner and you, right? You and your partner? You, you and your partner. Uh, you, you and your partner. <laughs> uh, obviously, during COVID, I assume, um, you know, you guys had conversations. Eventually, it led to you seeking help. Was it during the... Um, the first your son and then your daughter 
so I, yeah, I, I skipped over a beat there. <laughs> After I had my son, I knew that I wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was the other thing I wanted to say is sure. that you have a new baby. You're sleep deprived. Your whole world is upside down. You are having an identity crisis between whatever your career was and trying to manage your career plus becoming a mother. And it's just hard. And you don't know. Like, I, I guess this is just what it's like right. being a new mom. This is just what being a new mom is is, is like. Everybody's is going through this. Yeah, this Everyone's going through this. And some of them probably are. But we don't know. You know, mm-hmm. like, is this normal? Is this not? What's normal? And then I got uh, pregnant with my daughter when my son was 13 months old. And I then knew for sure that I was not okay and I had experienced perinatal depression which a lot of people don't know what it is it's depression while you are pregnant because I mean your hormones are all over the place I was still breastfeeding my son while I was pregnant I have once I stopped doing that that also helped my hormones even out but it was dark for the first three months of that pregnancy. Very, very dark. And a lot of people, th- I didn't seek help then. I mean, I think I was maybe seeing, no, I wasn't seeing a therapist because I had no time because I was taking care of a yeah, baby. 13-month-old you know? kid, yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. Do you, you can't do all the self-care things. You can't do the self-care when yeah. you have a baby. Right. You just don't have time, especially yeah. if you don't have family in town to help you or the means to have a babysitter. That, that shame has to compound because now you're dealing with, oh, I should be going through this golden period with my baby. Yep. I'm in love with my baby and I'm pregnant. I should be enjoying my pregnancy and have the pregnant glow. Yep. And you're not feeling any of that. No. No, no, no. You're feeling feeling sweatpants in the closet. Like, I just want to hide with a hoodie over my head. And and you also, you don't, I can't imagine, like, you feeling feeling depressed is not the priority, right? You keeping the baby alive. Exactly. That's the priority. Exactly. Right? So, like, how can you self-care? Exactly. you self-caring is being selfish. Yeah, and you you have to feel like shit about yourself even for wanting to self-care mm-hmm. at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you might not even know. You don't know how to self-care anymore. Right. You know, you don't even have time to think about your feelings. Because you haven't slept your in 13 feelings. months. Exactly. <laughs> you just... <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> you got to laugh about it, Maggie. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't laugh, That's you cry. You <laughs> well, you know, and it's interesting, the, uh, the hormonal... Uh, component too that you you bring up because I was reading something recently. So the the birth control pill, um, you know, basically on a fundamental level, the way it works is it tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant. And there's a lot of studies coming out linking it to depression now. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't yet recognized by the FDA, but uh, the statistics with postpartum depression are one in seven women okay. experience yeah. postpartum depression. Yeah. So if you think about that. If, if there's a comparable thing, it's not a majority of women who are on the pill, but maybe like one in seven will experience that kind of depression. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. And other weird things that go along with it. And I, I won't get into this because we're this isn't an episode on the pill. <laughs> um, but, uh, but other things that I found interesting with those hormonal changes is uh, the type of men that a, a woman's attracted to will change really? while they're on the pill. Yeah. Women become sometimes less satisfied with their partner if they've met their partner before they were on the pill. And they go on their pill and vice versa. Um, yeah. Like even things is like um, women, women who love the smell of their partner before going on the pill. Now that the smell that they love, that like natural musk and pheromones and whatever, they now find rancid 
and it's what? like a gross oh, smell to them. This is this is like, the thing whoa. that really yeah. fu- fucks us, right? Is because we're still like figuring out all of this science. We're making these discoveries, right, and this progress, and we we discover things like the pill. Right, and we're like, look at, look at, look at what, look at this amazing uh, discovery we've made, and we don't know any of the side effects, any of the long-term repercussions. Right? Can I sidebar on the pill real sure. quick? Oh, yeah. Please okay. do. We so, sidebar all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, let's have a just quick sidebar. Yeah, because, sidebar. <laughs> so I was on just like the regular orthotricycline for like all of my twenties, right? And then I got uh, prescribed the generic version of that, and I started getting sick all the time, like allergies and post-nasal mm. drip and it would turn into bronchitis it would turn into uh, walking pneumonia and I go to my doctor I'm like I, there's nothing different could it be this new pill no no I'm gonna send you to an allergist I go to the allergist they check all these things could it be this new pill no I'm gonna send you to an ENT all of these male doctors by mm. the way uh, I'm gonna send you to an ENT ENT could it be the pill no we should do surgery Okay, um, I'm going to hold off on that. I go back to my OB a year later. I've been on antibiotics six times at this point for bronchitis, walking pneumonia, sinus infections that kept happening. I go back to my OB. I'm like, could it be the pill? And she said, I mean, I'm not going to say no. And I said, all right, that's enough. That's all you got to say. Like, put me back on the other stuff. And two weeks later, completely done. Completely better. Wow. Completely gone. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, we are fundamentally just a big ball of chemicals. And you go in and you mess with any of those, and there's going to be a cascade of effects. Yeah. And it won't affect everybody the same. You know, like like you and another woman. Another woman could go on the generic, be fine. Yep. yep. You know? But yep. for you, boom. Right. Those, all those effects. And I called my doctors, and I'm like, hey, by the way, yeah. <laughs> I was allergic to something in this. And do you think that's going to go into any study? No. 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 Do you gonna, think they're going to use that in the future? No, they'll be like, that woman was hysteric. Yeah. And if it was the 1950s, they would have given you a lobotomy. <laughs> can you just send me to the south of France so I can get some fresh air yeah. and take a break? With one of those like th- things wrapped around your head. Right. <laughs> you know, like, the, I don't know. They had these like scarf things that were wrapped around. Don't you judge me. <laughs> Judging you so hard right now. So, so you touch upon an interesting thing. So yeah. you were mentioning how like, you mentioned to all these male doctors, right, who <laughs> yeah. are just kind of like brushing it off, yep. brushing off your physical pain, your yep. illness. When you actually, when you actually started talking with someone about postpartum depression, mm. was the experience similar? Did anyone ever be like, you just have to, you know, woman up? You just have to be like, look, you're a mom now. You got to like deal with it. You just like was it? Was there any of that attitude? I'm curious. You know, I didn't really talk about it a lot. I didn't, like I was saying, I didn't realize how bad I was struggling until I felt better. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. But when COVID, and I, I chalked it all up to COVID. Right. So I, I can't speak to that on other women's experiences because I'm sure that they do. I'm sure, especially in certain parts of the country, yeah. Two. Sure. It's a lot more of like, oh, you're fine. It's okay. Well, there's a you long know. history of male doctors specifically brushing off women's health problems. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, especially the judgment mm-hmm. that comes from being a mother, mm-hmm. not just from uh, uh, like 
other mothers, but just society in general and all the things well, that internet culture. Oh, like oh, there's this whole mm. thing of of like the perfect mom. There's all these, you know, Instagrams and TikToks and like, look what a wonderful mother I'm doing and I'm having my kids do crafts and blah blah blah. I mean, I like, have to give a shout out right now because I do have a an amazing support system of a. a a Facebook moms group, call it the Mom Illuminati. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> but none of us do. Oh, they're coming for us, Adam. Them and the cartels. Thanks for listening. Help us continue the conversation. Leave us a comment with your thoughts, experiences, or questions about mental health. Every opinion and viewpoint is valid. Just don't be a dick. They literally gave me life during this period, and that was where I got a lot of realization of what was going on. And that was where everyone can air their grievances and are met with, babe, we got you. I know what you're going through. You are not crazy. Yeah. Like, you, this is normal, and, and we're going through it too. And everybody supports each other in that group, and I'm 100% like just amazed with the amount of like solidarity that I've found through that. And I wish that it could just be everywhere. Well, you know, you and I talked before about this. One of the things that I think is just batshit. Hey, do you see what I Oh, nice. Oh, wait, that's the name of the show. (laughs) You need a, Uh, you need a, you need a sound effect for that. (laughs) 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 Whichever those noises you like best, please. No. So, <laughs> There's a poll um, in, the, in the comments. Yeah. So, um, no, but we've talked about this before, is that it's it's kind of fucking bonkers that women, while they're pregnant, and and after they've had their baby, there is no at no point during the process is there a mental health check in that's built into right. it. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you go for your six week checkup where your OB checks out your lady bits and sees what how how things are going there. They might at that point ask you some questions, but that like I feel like they're my I, again. I can't remember. You're all in a fog in a daze. They might have said, like, are you feeling any feelings of, you know, wanting to hurt yourself or hurt the baby? And that's like, some people will say yes, maybe, but most people will say no. But what people don't realize is also you can develop postpartum depression a year after you've had your baby. Sure. I mean, I didn't know that until I had a baby, you know, and and. Your, your, again, your hormones, your breastfeeding, if you're breastfeeding, that's going to change your hormones. So much can just change after having a baby. The child's sleep cycle changes so radically, like every six weeks. Yep. Yep. And yeah. Going back to your, your uh, Facebook Illuminati group. Yes. I mean, having people to mm-hmm. talk to about all of this, mm-hmm. not only does it allow you to... Um, I don't mean to speak for you, but allows you to air your grievances, speak about, but you're also informing other people in the group. A hundred percent. You know, when you have like new women join that Illuminati group, you know, (laughs) by the end of this episode, everyone's going to be like, oh, Maggie's in the Illuminati. Uh, But like you're informing, you're educating, right? And all of a sudden now you're starting to build a database of information off of which you can start preparing women. Yes. And maybe, I mean, again, I don't plan to understand exactly how postpartum depression works, right. but maybe being more informed is going to help 
people. Yes. But when there's such a stigma about talking about your weakness, mm -hmm. whether it be um, your physical fatigue from having to take care of your freaking child right. or your mental depression after, you know, giving birth to said child, like the more stigmas that are attached to that, the more shut down people become. The yep. less talking occurs, yep. the worse people feel, and the less information's out there, which is just so problematic. It's so problematic. And again, I mean, I, I, I hate to generalize based on region. I'm from the South, and Brad is too. That's where we met. Um, and I don't know if these conversations are being had as widely as they are where we live. Um you know, I, but maybe they are. Maybe they are. I don't want to, again, I don't want to generalize, but I know growing up, I didn't Nobody see talked about anybody it talking well, about well, here's it. Here's an interesting thing to, to, to follow up on that. You had to find this group through Facebook. Yeah. Like this wasn't a group of women that were just regularly meeting up and you were able no. to easily identify. No, I mean, I was like, in, I was invited. Yeah, exactly. You had to, you had to, <laughs> that's, Illuminati. that's the Illuminati work, man. I'm telling you, she's got this brand on her forehead. You got an envelope, an envelope came under the door one day. <laughs> I think every part of this country has a different way of stigmatizing yes. talking about your emotions yeah. and your feelings and any weakness you right. provide. I, I talk about that having been from the South. Like, you know, I'm, I always joke. I'm like, Southern man don't need no mental health help. <laughs> you know? um, because it is, it's, it's, there, there are regions and that's the one we're familiar with, but there are a lot of areas where you don't talk about this shit. No. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, you just don't play and talk. Like most yeah. of the, we focus quite heavily, obviously, because we're two men, about how men deal with mental health and right. don't deal with mental health just mm -hmm. by keeping their freaking mouth shut, mm -hmm. right? Just by not talking about it, we're setting ourselves further and further back. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to one of your original points, it's like, you just had a baby. You're supposed to feel like on top of the world. Look, I'm a new mom. But if you're not talking about the other side of that, like, how detrimental is that, not only to your health, but, like, how your child, your partner, you know what I mean? Like, right. everyone, it's going to affect. That's one thing uh, I came across reading about postpartum depression is how, how much it can affect the bond between the mother and the child and the impact it can have on the child also. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much going on. There. What are you saying, Brad? Did I screw my kid up? Oh yeah. <laughs> Look, Maggie, I love you. By kids, the way, my son and kids. I have an incredible bond. Because <laughs> he's in the Illuminati as well. <laughs> I love him with the fire of a thousand suns, and he knows it. All I know is that Maggie's daughter loves me. <laughs> there you she go. does love you. <laughs> so you did something right, Maggie. Great you did job. Something yeah. right. Yeah. As long as that kid knows who I am. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, so like, not only do you have those effects, in the extreme cases, and this is sad, but uh, something I came across is so one in seven women will experience postpartum depression. Out of that, 20% will attempt suicide. Out of that, another 5% will commit infanticide. And those are the stories that you see on the news. Mm -hmm. Right. Where um, there's actually something I came across that's related called postpartum psychosis, mm -hmm. where uh, there was one woman, for instance, who didn't want her baby taken away from her at all in, at the hospital because she was convinced that if the baby left her sight, they were going to replace it with a robot. Wow. Oh, my goodness. But so, like, you see these stories, the woman in Massachusetts from earlier this year who strangled her kids because she was hearing voices and she was convinced it would be better for them. Yeah. I mean, take take just your general textbook psych 
like psychosis diagnosis usually stems from a traumatic event. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, it makes sense that there's going to be births that are traumatic to women, that they are going to have some kind of repercussion later on. I don't know if you guys watched Fleischman is in Trouble. Yeah, I was just yeah, about to yeah, But, yeah. like, that's a perfect example of Claire Dane's character. She has this traumatic birth where, you know, the doctor just absolutely is completely assault. Yeah, it's, it's assault, yeah. It's assault, and, and she... Deals with it as best as she can, and her, it, it's not until I mean her kids are kids when she yeah when yeah she, one of them's like twelve I yeah. think right yeah, yeah when she finally breaks down when she finally breaks down I mean if you if you don't seek treatment for it it can just fester and present itself in such different ways mm. every time I meet a new mom now <laughs> take him by the arm how are you <laughs> look him deep like, in the eyes like no no no, no 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 really how are you. <laughs> And if you say you're okay, then you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trauma. Like, tra- that's the word that we, we keep harping back to, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't talk about our trauma. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter if we're talking about something you experienced when you were a child, uh, giving birth to a child mm-hmm. as an adult. Like, we have been taught over the years that if, if you cannot talk about your trauma, you're actually stronger. Right. Than yeah. other people, right. right? If you can just like you know, man up, woman up, and be like whatever, you know, I, yeah, I uh, I had to breastfeed two children at the same time, you know, while mowing the lawn. You know, it's like you, <laughs> you're just you're you're a better Smoking person. A pack of Marlboro, exactly. You're a better person than we are. You're who's a who's the best at bottling up? <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I don't know when you, when you're talking motherhood, also. Again, you have that whole miracle of birth thing. I, I almost wonder if the the origination of that. The origination? Is sure, buddy. Word? Okay. I make up a lot of words. It's like origin story. Uh, he's a writer. He yeah, can make yeah. up words. It's fine. Hey, Shakespeare made up a lot of shit. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah, Brad compared himself to Shakespeare just He invented then. the word puke. Um, no, but I, I almost wonder if that was some kind of originally supposed to be some kind of helpful thing for women. Sure. It's like, oh, you're going through this trauma. Think of it as this miracle. Think of it as this beautiful thing. And I think it's detrimental. Toxic positivity. Toxic positivity, <laughs> yes. I love that. That's yeah. what that is, yeah. baby. Yeah. We, we live in Los Angeles. You would not believe the amount of toxic positivity here. <laughs> accurate, accurate statement. Yeah. You try to tell somebody like, man, like I, I went through this thing and it was it was horrible. And, and they're like, oh, well, you know, you just got to put a smile on your face you, you know, you and just, just believe that good things are going to happen. Just either, you know, you, in an hour you can be in the mountains or at the beach. So, I mean, you kind of yeah. live in paradise. <laughs> yeah. I was holding my baby when my baby died. Well, you know. They're a better place now, and you, at least you got to hold oh them. Gosh. And there's a farmer's yeah. market on Tuesdays yeah. at the mall. So yeah. I think you're a belief. Have you tried getting fine. a kitten? <laughs> you know what? Quinoa. I bet you quinoa would fix it. <laughs> quinoa would Quinoa. Help. Fuck you. <laughs> I think one of the things also that isn't discussed a lot is is having uh, – postpartum affects the partners too, man. Sure. Like – I might be going through the the hormonal issues and having the baby and everything, but it 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 affects both partners. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, no, no. Well, it's, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are you know, about we've, that. We've talked before about how much depression in the media, but but mainly the depression affects your spouse, um, affects your partner um, because they don't know what you're going through. You know, they they have no idea. They just see you become withdrawn. You become, you know, angry. You 
you do these things. And now you introduce a child into the situation. And it's like, why aren't you, why aren't you doing the things my mother did? Why mm-hmm. aren't you doing the things that I see mothers do on TV? Mm-hmm. You know, and I got to work my job and you know, you, aren't you going to be with the baby and, and yada, yada. And, um, uh, it's gotta be, be frustrating and nerve wracking. Um, and on the flip side of that though, because we don't talk about this and people aren't educated about this, the partner in an ideal world would provide more support in sure. that situation. They would be able to see like, you're going through something, right? you know, and I want to be there for you, but we don't have that education. We don't talk about that, you know? So it's just, it's confusion. It's just like, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, you know, is it, is it, is it that hard, uh, breastfeeding i don't know you know here let me put the kid on my nipple and see what happens and again we've normalized a lot of these issues that women will experience like oh you know she's just sleep deprived you know it's just gonna take a little bit she'll get over it she'll you know once you normalize it you as the partner have to sit there and like wait a minute is this just a norm it's not a normal behavior it's not or is it it it, it's got to be extremely confusing i do not have children by Mm -hmm. the way um I can only equate it to how my partner and I try and help each other through bad phases and how Mandy has to deal with my depression and my bipolar. Mm -hmm. And she can only do the best she can based on the knowledge I can provide her. And because I don't know how to fully talk about my bipolar, that's a breakdown of communication. Right. And so now, not only do you have to figure out um, how to talk about your Post uh, postpartum depression, but now you also have to talk about it while you're sleep deprived, and you've never conversed about it with your uh, partner before. And by the way, they might be going through some stuff. Well, that's what I mean. Like that's what I was saying. Like it's your partner's going through stuff too well, when a new baby comes in. Like that there's happen in the man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My uh, uh, they've they've tracked how estrogen like jumps up in a new father mm. um, as part of the bonding process. The child. And I remember. <laughs> I remember when my oldest son was was a baby, and I'm sitting on the couch with him watching some like dipshit commercial of something on TV. I don't even remember what it was. And this this like you know car commercial or whatever. And, oh, he, he got her a car for Christmas. That's so heartwarming. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. <laughs> like you know, because your estrogen just like shoots through the roof. Um, so you know, you've got those hormonal changes. Sure, blame too. it all on the estrogen, Brad. Yeah, <laughs> it was it's sad, the estrogen. It was, a, it was a touching commercial. It's Mark. okay to cry. It was an Audi. <laughs> <laughs> and he got the he got the big I don't even know where you get those bows. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine, by the way, another sidebar? Your partner being like, Come outside, guess what I got you for Christmas? You bought a fucking car without talking to me? <laughs> you bought a car, an Audi? That's an eighty thousand dollar car. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I was manic when I did it. Like, oh, okay. By the way, Audi, we're looking for sponsorship. If you want to get on, bought a, bought a Porsche was manic. Don't judge me. Um, well, and also, every child is different too. So, mm-hmm. my my first son, for God, the first six months of his life, wanted nothing to do with me. Mm. He was glued to my wife. So even if I wanted to help, like. He he would just ball his head off. Oh, okay. Yep, know. that's I, how I was with my my son, and it, yeah. and that's real real hard. Yeah, so even, even if your partner's hard. like like, babe, let me let me take the kids so yeah. you can go get some sleep. You're not sleeping because that kid's crying his ass off in the other room. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, when you had your second child, was it did 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 you see a similar pattern there, or was it? 
No, it was actually very different. So uh, my first trimester with her was the really dark perinatal depression. And then and then the clouds lifted and it just kind of the hormones evened out somehow. I started exercising, which I didn't do during my first pregnancy. Interesting. Yeah. Huge difference. Were you on Lexapro at the time? No, no. I didn't get on that until she was one and he was three. Okay. So, I mean, it took a long time to realize that I had anxiety and depression issues. And um, no, but with her, things were much better. Like, and, and I realized just how much getting out and doing physical fitness and getting those natural dopamine levels yeah. up. I mean, it really, really was a game changer. And then I had her... Had a completely different birth. Had the birth that I wanted with him, <laughs> with her, unmedicated birth. She didn't. I was waiting to get. I, I literally was getting uh, interviewed by the um, anesthesiologist right before they gave me the epidural. They have to ask you a bunch of questions, and one is like, "Do you feel like you have to push?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Girl, you're not getting this. <laughs> you're not getting an epidural." Damn it! I failed today. the test. <laughs> Oh, you, you said push. I'm sorry. I thought you no, said I don't tush. Need to pull. <laughs> and so I had a completely unmedicated birth with my daughter, and it was it was glorious. It was amazing, and and I had all the feels there. It wasn't like I said, it wasn't traumatic to mm-hmm. me. Like that was what felt the most. Just like oh, this is lovely. I had all the natural chemicals. Like people talk about. When you have an unmedicated birth, you have just this huge rush of just feeling high. Really? After you give birth. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it was it was incredible. And you just have this baby. And that and then you do. And I and I did have that moment with her where I was just like, whoa, like we are one. And um the births were so different. And therefore, after it was so different too because she was such a different baby she wasn't glommed on to me like he was I was able to have that sense of autonomy whereas before you just feel touched out you know you just you just have a a baby on you all the time and you 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 don't feel like you have your own personhood so um with her she she would let my husband take her she would let you know be pass her around the kitchen and she was happy she was fine so that was a lot easier um, which I think, you know, has to do with it. And then the anxiety and was definitely there. It was more anxiety at that point, like less depression, but more anxiety. And then, like I said, I started COVID and, <laughs> and that was when I ended up getting on Lexapro and realizing like, oh, okay, this was a much deeper thing that I've been struggling with than I realized. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's lost someone to COVID, time. there's a class action lawsuit against them. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, when you started Lexapro, yeah. like, what, what was that like? When someone came to you and was like, you know what, I think you should try this medication. Mm-hmm. I think, did it feel like a... Um, a, a, uh, a like a relief? Was it like, did you feel almost like you were copping out? Like, how did you feel? I had struggled with... I had gone through things situationally through my 20s and early 30s where I had periods of depression Mm -hmm. and I almost, you know, talked to a psychiatrist. I was like, I'm not okay. But I felt that shame that, you know, coming from the South, you don't get on medication, you know? I just like, I, 
And I, I ended up not doing it, and I, I worked I worked myself through it. Right, yeah. I don't need it. Um, you fixed it. I fixed it. I fixed <laughs> and then, myself. And then to compound that, you come to L.A. where everyone's like, like, oh, you know, just chew some ginger and do some yoga. <laughs> well, and the, and the other bitch of it is, like, you're, you're an actress, right? So you're supposed to walk into these rooms being, like, carefree. Yeah. You know, what do you need me to do? Cool, awesome, I'm happy, let me make some jokes. I'll see you later. You know what's amazing, though? When I finally got on Lexapro, so one of my things that I always struggled with was crying in a scene, like, mm-hmm. as an actress. I got on Lexapro. And now it's like boom. It's like <laughs> no it's, problem. It's it's crazy because my anxiety is gone yeah. about it. You know, I have anxiety about needing to cry, and now I'm like, whatever, it'll come. <laughs> um, and it just took the edge off. It oh, I mean, it, it's it's been life changing. Yeah. It's been absolutely life changing once I got now, on it. Now, do you think if you had sought help and got diagnosed before you were pregnant, that you would have experienced the same? Symptoms? That's a great question. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. No, I don't think so. And that's another thing that I want to bring up to to anyone listening who may be pregnant and going through this. There are still options even when you're pregnant if you're going through depression or anxiety. Like a lot of people don't want to take medication while they're pregnant. There are options. There are some medications that are safe for pregnancy. So I just want to put that out there. Like just seek help if you think that that might be the case. Well, I think there's also a lot of validity in doing mental, like you said, mental checkups. Like yeah. you, if, if you're going to get pregnant and you're planning on getting pregnant, some people don't plan and it just happens. Right. And yay! But if you're planning on getting pregnant, you go and you see your OBGYN. You start seeing medical professionals. Why wouldn't you do the same thing with a mental health professional? A hundred percent. Right? Just be like, hey, look, I'm going to have a kid uh, or I'm planning on having a kid with my partner. Yeah. Can we just like talk? For a bit, and then uh, can you imagine what would be discovered? I'm gonna one up you there, even doing the individual, but you and your partner should also be going to talk to somebody of like how you as a couple can prepare for having a child. Yeah. Totally, because like, yeah. like you said, I mean, it's a it's it's weird to talk about it this way, but even if everything goes right, it is a traumatic event. It upends your life. Yeah, everything changes. Hundred percent. The mm-hmm. relationship with your partner changes. You are no longer husband and wife. You're no longer boyfriend and girlfriend. You are now working a job together, mm-hmm. yeah. trying to keep this little thing alive. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And and you know, I most women I know go through an identity crisis of some sort after they have a kid sure. because yeah, why wouldn't you? Right. I mean, you know? you've, it's 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 fascinating to me how, especially from a female point of view, you have spent your entire life building up who you are and discovering who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you have a child, a piece of you is now out there into the world. Like yeah. that that piece, uh, found maybe a foundational building block type of thing, is now mm-hmm. out there into the world. And now you're creating a, your person all over again with a, with a baby on your hip. Yeah. And like you're rediscovering who you are and what you need and your wants and your needs are going to probably be different than they obviously were in your 20s, right? Let alone uh, your 30s or when you first met your partner. Yeah. And and to think that you are going to easily transition from one to the next is an arrogance that is beyond – like that's not how it works. Oh, I've talked to people who were like, like, yeah, you know – I think um, I think I'll probably quit my job the the first year the baby's here and then I'll go back to work and it's like 
for the first four years of that kid's life, that is your job 24-7. Yeah. You have no idea what you're about to get into. <laughs> I, I, always, I always say, like, any of my friends that have a kid under the age of five, you don't need to explain shit to me ever, <laughs> ever. You can literally just be like, Bleh! and I'm like, got it. Don't worry about it. I'll call you later. Yeah, this is like, that's it. That's it. Because you don't. Like, until they, until they start school and they're out of your fucking face for <laughs> several hours a day. I love my children with the ones all my that, heart. The ones that the, are left. The ones that are left. <laughs> uh, the other ones have been gone so long, I think I've forgotten their names. Uh, oh, wait, oh, you named them? I know there was a Jose. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, you know, once once they hit school and you can you can get rid of them for a few hours a day and they're kind of going to bed on their own and sleeping through the night and stuff, you start gaining some of your life back. Mm-hmm. You start being able to say, oh, I can go hiking again. I can like go out with friends on a Thursday night. You know, I can do these things again. Um, but that takes a long time to get back there. Sure. And so during that period, especially if you have an active social life, um, your your entire life's upended. And I'm talking about this as a father. If you're having to breastfeed this little baby, oh my god, yeah, you know, oh man, no, I mean, you're you're on a a schedule that is not your own. And I can remember to this day so vividly. It was two weeks after my son was born, and it was the first time. Like, it takes you two weeks to get the okay to drive. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. I guess, you know, in case of hemorrhaging or whatever. I don't, sure, I don't, sure, I don't sure, know. Yeah. I'm sure there's some medical reason. <laughs> but <clears throat> you're supposed to wait two weeks until you drive. And so I remember my husband came home from work and I was like, I'm going to Target. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave him the baby and I can just remember getting on the 101. <laughs> 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 and I'm going north. And I was like, I could keep going all the way to San Francisco. <laughs> no one could stop me. No one could stop me. <laughs> and then walking around Target just like in a daze, like, what's my name? I don't bath bombs. I need a face mask diet. I mean, crazy, crazy. <laughs> What happened to Maggie? I don't. She ended I, up in an ashram. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> she might still be in Target. I don't know if you ever left. I <laughs> live here now, twenty four seven. There's, you know, they sell bedding. I'm sure there's a bed. To, you know. Now I should have gone to IKEA. <laughs> yeah, you could live on those meatballs. Forever. Yeah, seriously. Amen. I, I could live on those meatballs. Mag, <laughs> I just want to again say thank you so much for talking with us about this and uh, I, I would personally love to have you back to talk about this even more absolutely my pleasure just, there's just too much to cover in it's one a lot episode. yeah this yeah. Is, it's it, a lot yeah um you know we we've said this before and we'll say it again about every single topic that we talk about if you are experiencing anything that we've touched upon today please find your own Illuminati group who you can talk to you know because there are people out there going through the same exact shit you're going through Absolutely. And if you're having an emergency, if you're having thoughts of hurting yourself or hurting your child, call 911 immediately. Um, it's not your fault. It's not your problem. They won't take your baby away. But get help immediately. 100%. Maggie, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs>